Wrath and blessing seem like two words that don't belong in the same sentence. But are they two themes that can coexist in the same book of the Bible? They can and do in the Old Testament book of Zephaniah. Through the prophet Zephaniah, the Lord begins with a warning for ancient Judah. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. And he concludes with a reference to the future millennial kingdom. At that time, I will bring you in and restore your fortunes before your eyes. Wrath and blessing are like prophetic bookends in Zephaniah. What the prophet says between the bookends is a worthwhile study and should make us wonder what becomes of sin between now and the end of the age. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. And no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's Hebrews 4:13, and this is Something Good Radio. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and thank you for joining us for today's message from Dr. Ron Jones. Well, the prophet Zephaniah went to Judah, one of the two divided kingdoms in Israel, to confront them about their sin, idolatry, child sacrifice, the list goes on and on. Zephaniah warns the people of the impending wrath of God, but he also speaks about the blessings of God. Ron dives into this prophecy next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good radio message, Zephaniah, Wrath and Blessing. You see, the Philistines were seacoast people. They, they liked the coast, kind of like we did. But the Philistines were, were, were part of the pagan nations that Joshua and that generation was supposed to you know, get rid of. Remember when we, when we said, you know, if you, if you don't get rid of the, if you don't destroy the Canaanites and the Philistines, the Canaanites and the Philistines will destroy you, was the idea. They didn't go all the way in possessing the land. And the Philistines still inhabited the coastland. Uh, in that list um, is, is the mention of Gaza. You ever heard of the Gaza Strip? Yeah, you've heard of it in, in, in news today. It, it's there nestled uh, kind of southwest in Israel on the, uh, the Mediterranean seacoast. And they're still, you know, trying to lob rockets uh, into Israel from there. Uh, the entire coastal area, the Lord says in chapter 2 and verse 7, shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah. Yes, that has never happened. Now we're talking eschatologically. We're talking the end of the age. And if you hang on for a little bit, I'll tell you exactly when that is going to happen. Furthermore, the Lord will make Moab... He says, quote, like Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, just for taunting his people, just, just for beating up verbally on God's people, he'll do that. And he will make Nineveh a desolation. That's chapter 2 and verse 13. God will reduce the secure, haughty Assyrians to nothing, making their glorious capital city a place where, according to verse 15, everyone who passes by her hisses 
and shakes his fist. These are strong warnings from the Lord. It's a reminder that what man builds pridefully, God can wipe out and destroy in just a moment. And he will do this with uh, the pagan nations. Chapter 3 continues with warnings to now both Jerusalem and to the nations. Beginning in verse 1, woe to her who is rebellious and defiled. Uh, he, he calls them the oppressing city. You see, God has an eye on cities uh, where there are masses of population. He sees those who, according to Zephaniah, are eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Does that sound like some of the major cities in America today, uh, led by people who are eager to make all their deeds corrupt and to hide it, to hide it from everybody, the corruption that uh, is part of their leadership. The Lord has eyes on that. We may not have eyes on it. Uh, the, the authorities may not have eyes on it. They may never be brought to justice in man's timeline, but the Lord, the Lord will. Moreover, the Lord is decisive and he's proactive. He, he acts in his own way and in his own time. He says in chapter 3 and verse 8, for my decision, I, I just underlined that. When the Lord says, here's my decision, my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. Chapter 3 and verse 8. The day of the Lord, at least the wrath portion of it, is truly a day to fear. It ought to cause us to tremble and our lips to quiver just in anticipation of it. But I really love the way Zephaniah concludes. From chapter 3, verse 9, through the end of the chapter, uh, we, we, we get the other side of these twin aspects of God's character we cannot separate, his wrath and his blessing. Uh, the day of the Lord is, is near and far. It's, it's immediate and it's ultimate. It's uh, historical. It's eschatological. It's wrath and now blessing. And uh, Zephaniah ends on a very high note, full of hope and full of blessing for both the nations of the world and for Israel. Twice the prophet uh, mentions and actually reuses the phrase, on that day, all right? From the very beginning, he's been talking about a specific day, the day of the Lord, this, this um, thing that happens in, in, uh, in Bible prophecy. That on that day, this, this, this time in reference to the ultimate now eschatological day of the Lord is this focus in the latter part of chapter 3, which happens, I told you when I was going to tell you, you know, when it was going to happen. It happens when Jesus Christ returns, his second coming, at the end of the age, as he fights uh, the battle of Armageddon in that, uh, that uh, war of all wars and defeats uh, the enemies of God. And after pouring out his wrath upon the nations, as he does at the Battle of Armageddon, the Lord will then bless the regathered, redeemed, restored, and rejoicing remnant who believe at that time, both Jew and Gentile. And what a glorious day that will be. Uh, chapter 3 and verse 11 describes this aspect of the day of the Lord. And says, on that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. 
For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, those who are left in Israel. They shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. What what a completely different tone from the beginning of the book, which was all about the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day of the Lord that was full of wrath upon those who did not repent. Under the righteous rule of Jesus Christ at this time, Ultimately, Israel will inherit, inherit rather, all the covenant blessings promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, including the physical land he gave them. Now, there's always a lot of debate about that, even in the Middle East today. Land for peace and peace for land. Israel has never occupied the totality of the land, not even the Gaza Strip, the coastal areas, which the Lord said will eventually be the the total possession of Judah. When will that happen? At the end of the age. Following the rapture of the church, the next event in Bible prophecy, the seven-year tribulation, also known as Daniel's 70th week, the battle of Armageddon at the end, and what follows then is the millennial kingdom, the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ, Uh, You know, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's the millennial kingdom. That's the physical presence of God on this earth. That's Jesus Christ sitting on David's throne and ruling and reigning in peace and prosperity. The government will be upon his shoulders, the prophet Isaiah says, and the extent of his peace is is worldwide for 1,000 years. The Bible tells us. And this is what Zephaniah has in mind. Uh, The golden age of Israel's future. And it's with that in mind he goes on in chapter 3 and verse 14. It's just worth me reading this out loud. Just kind of sit back and take this in. He says, "Sing sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. What good news that is. He's cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to access the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that's our Something Good digital library at somethinggoodradio.org. 
Something Good Radio and free resources like the Something Good Digital Library only exist through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. Today, as you give, we'll give you access to an ebook written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with the fifth road trip in his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This digital resource covers the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea through Malachi. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Ron will join me in the studio after today's message, so stay with us. But first, let's tune into the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, Zephaniah, Wrath and Blessing. Zephaniah goes on to say, I will gather together those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at that time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. This, my friend, is the hope of Israel. And the hope of the world is in this nation that God formed through whom Messiah came, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came once as that Savior and servant. He's coming again as uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the judge of all the earth. He comes with wrath upon the disobedient and the unrepentant and blessing Blessing for those uh, who seek him and humble themselves before him, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Now back to our original question, whatever became of sin? Why don't we talk about it anymore? The prophets of old are not afraid to discuss this. What is it about our time and our culture that we, we just can't seem to digest this stuff? Well, on the one hand, the day of the Lord is a reminder that the righteous God of heaven never winks at sin. Uh, he, he never passes it off as a mere sickness that requires man's self-help medication, if you know what I'm talking about. Sin is a serious offense to a holy God and must be judged by him. Thankfully, the Lord Jesus Christ took that punishment at the cross. And we are delivered from the wrath to come, the Bible says, because Jesus was our propitiation. He, he, he satisfied fully and completely the wrath of God. And if you are in Christ by faith, he's not angry with you. All of this discussion about wrath is pointed to those who are not in Christ. You are safe and you are secure and you are hidden from the wrath to come if you are in Christ. The preacher who never talks about sin because it is too negative is like an oncologist who never diagnoses cancer because the thought of it is too painful for his patients. You got, you got to be kidding me. Clergy malpractice is as bad as medical malpractice. Make no mistake about that. And if you are in a church... 
that would never preach from Zephaniah or someplace like that because it's too negative and too shaming and we just find another church where you, where you, where you hear the whole counsel of God where we're not afraid to go on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. I want to hear everything God has to say. But in these difficult places where you maybe haven't been for a while, you don't, you don't know what to do with all, just read far enough until you find where the wrath becomes blessing. Because God desires to heal us and to forgive us and to give us hope far more than he wants to allow the natural consequences of disobedience and the rejection of himself to take their full course. The day of the Lord explains that to us. Um, it also explains that for those who repent and seek the Lord and walk humbly before him, well, the day of the Lord is a reminder that God forgives. He, he's so willing to bless us beyond our wildest dreams. It's also a reminder the day of the Lord is that the promises of God are yes and amen. Uh, one day, ultimately, eschatologically, you know, when Jesus comes again, he will return to judge the evildoers and then welcome his repentant children into his kingdom. First on earth as it is in heaven, that's the millennial kingdom, and then ultimately into his eternal dwelling. That's the new heaven and the new earth. And I, for one, can't wait for that. What a glorious day that will be. I, I, I want to hang out in uh, the latter part of chapter 3 of Zephaniah. And then that's a good place to hang out if you're in Christ, who delivers us from the wrath to come. But there were people in Zephaniah's time that he knew, probably friends and neighbors, who had strayed this way. And this, um, this grandson, this great-great-grandson of King Hezekiah cared about people enough to bring them a message with plenty of time to respond um, about the, the day of the Lord. Uh, do you have friends, neighbors, family, extended family, where you need to have an honest conversation? Uh, maybe you're somebody who needs to respond today to the Lord's message. Maybe you've been living your life as though God has no relevance in our world today. You know, we're so modern. We're secularists. We've grown beyond all that religion stuff. No, we haven't. We're just, our, you know, we, we've, we've, we, we've figured out ways to compound our evil. Oh, we have technology, sure. But we're just as corrupt to the core why? Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And our only rescue is the cross of Jesus Christ. All this discussion about God's wrath. You can't, you can't separate his wrath from his love and his blessing and grace. It's all part of a larger picture of God's character. But the beauty of the gospel is we escape the wrath to come through Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ as your Savior? And if you do, what, what are you doing to take the glorious gospel message to your friends, to your neighbors, to your family? Zephaniah had some sense that Babylon was coming, and he spent 20 years warning people. 
And uh, it's just an, an indication to me of just how much this man cared for the people around him to bring them an honest, honest message, but a message filled with hope and a way to escape. Let's do that as the church. Let's uh, get out there and shake our salt and shine our light. Uh, the world is decaying all around us. Of course it is, and we need to own a lot of that. Judgment begins at the house of God. But for as long as God gives us, let, let, let's, let's take the whole counsel that he gives to us in his scriptures, and let's take it to the world around us. Take it to heart, personally, and then take it to the world around us. Uh, because the day of the Lord is coming, as sure as the sun rises, as sure as the Babylonians came, just as the Lord said they would, with ample time to respond and to repent. Uh, but they came. And likewise, the ultimate day of the Lord is coming, just as Joel said, just as Zephaniah said, and most all the other prophets alluded to in their time. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, Zephaniah, Wrath and Blessing. Ron, one of the things that really hit home with me from the book of Zephaniah is that judgment begins at the house of God, that we as his children should look first into our own mirrors rather than crying out against the culture. Yes, uh, that's true, Brian. It's the most natural thing in the world for us to be tempted to curse the darkness. But what we ought to be doing is turning on the light. Jesus said we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world as his disciples. So if we as believers in Christ want to see healing in our land, well, the place to start is by taking responsibility for our own failures and missteps. Instead of looking out our windows and crying out against the culture, Let's look into our mirrors and cry out to God for forgiveness. Too often we become agents of condemnation and judgment instead of agents of salt and light. Now, Brian, what I'm about to say, I've, I've mentioned before, but it bears repeating. In 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, the Lord says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God doesn't call for the repentance of those who don't know him, not in order to heal their land, he doesn't. Rather, he calls for his children, what today would be believers in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He calls on us to repent. Now, remember, this was a promise to the nation of Israel based on God's covenant with them, but I believe he would do the same for us based on his character. So let's take a long, hard look in the mirror, and let's ask ourselves, if we're pointing the finger at the sin of man or pointing people towards the Son of God. Whatever changes we wish to see in society, Brian, will always begin with a change of heart. So let's be Jesus to them instead of judges of them. Only then will our land have a chance to be healed. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great advice about how we can impact the culture in which we live. So before we sign off, Ron, how about telling us what's in store next time as you move ahead in your current series? Well, Brian, our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is uh, the book of Haggai. 
Now, as believers in Christ, one thing the Lord wants us to do is set our priorities in proper order. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, uh, basic needs like food and clothing and shelter, he said, will be added to you. Now, oddly enough, Brian, no matter what we say our priorities are, our checkbooks uh, may sometimes tell a different story. Nothing exposes our true priorities like the way we spend our money. And the prophet Haggai delivered several mini-sermons, uh, sermonettes, if you will, about misplaced financial priorities and really uh, misplaced priorities in general. So, Brian, there are plenty of practical uh, applications for us uh, today and plenty of uh, blessing waiting for those of us who follow the Lord's instruction in this area. And we're going to dive into all of that next time in the book of Haggai right here on Something Good Radio. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Haggai, time to build for God's glory. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.